Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island where it has broadcast continuously for over 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show is also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival of which I am the founder and director along with the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which premiere in New York City every October and then travel the USA and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. Go to dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com to find out when we'll be where. I was so entranced when Dr. Doug Mater, my co-host on Exotic Pets, told me about a farm of exotic animals that was on the grounds of a prison in Florida. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And I thought, so I have to learn more about this. And I discovered there's a woman who runs it. She runs it and she uses the inmates, uses maybe the wrong verb, in the detention center to help care for the animals. But the animals are some crazy bunch of critters. Jeannie Salander, it is wonderful to meet you. And I'm sure when you first went there to start this in 1994 or whenever it was, you didn't expect to go from a few abandoned chickens and ducks and one blind horse to being a zoo. You are basically a zoo, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for having me today. And we never, or I never dreamed it would become what it is now. I had a vision for it and I still have so many things I want to do, but never did I imagine it would become what it is now. And it went from being an oddity under the jail to becoming yes. an internationally recognized facility. So we've come a long way in the 17 years I've been here. Wow. What a, what an accomplishment and what, what a fascinating arc of growth it has been. So the as I understand it, talk about the detention center, because I think some of us don't know the difference between a prison, a jail, a detention center. How bad are the people that are locked up or are they unfairly locked up? I think some of us are confused about that. So can you tell us a little about the inmates first, and then we'll talk about the animals? 
Sure. I completely understand that side of it because I am a civilian. I am not law enforcement. I have never been to a jail before. I had no idea what I was getting myself wow. into. Um, my degree is marine biology, so <laughs> I came here, you know, fresh off the turnip truck, and so that's a great question. A jail, or we are a detention center or jail, which means a uh, county facility and the prisoners or the inmates can be here for up to 364 days. Wow. So if their sentence is more than 364 days, then they go to prison. So we have inmates here that are mainly minor infractions, um, DUI, uh, trespassing, open container, um, petty theft. Our main arrest is uh, driving without a license, amazingly wow. enough. is our <laughs> Yeah, that's the number one arrest here in the county. So they, um, they come here, they do their time. Some of them are here for 30 days. Some of them are here for a week. It just really depends. But I have a few over the years that have stayed the full year and have really gotten involved and have really gotten to know the animals and how the farm works. And they're so invested in this, and they are proud of what they do. They love it. They enjoy coming to work every day. They volunteer, so they're not forced to work on the farm. They volunteer to work on the farm. Um, and it's just such an amazing program that I'm so proud to be a part of. But the difference is jail or detention center is less than 364 days, and if you're sentenced to more than a year, you go to prison. That You've explained it really well. And also the fact that it's a choice to work in it. I think uh, over the years on the show and in the Dog Film Festival, I've had uh, stories of prisons, actual prisons, some of them where the people are locked up for life and dogs mm -hmm. are brought in from shelters to be there for six or eight weeks or perhaps a bit longer to be socialized and trained by the inmate and then put back out into society to be more easily adoptable. This is quite right. different because you're a sanctuary. And in fact, Dr. Doug Mater is your zoo veterinarian. Now he has an international degree in zoo medicine, which is very specialized so you wouldn't need him for the chickens and ducks, and you wouldn't need him for the blind horse. But your marine biology degree came in really handy when, being in Florida, you wound up having these many creatures who live in the water or near the water and are quite exotic. So I guess that's the part that's even more riveting is because you're in Florida. You have – I'm just going to just say some of the animals that are in there – Burmese pythons, peacocks, tropical birds, all of which is a big part of Doug Mater's knowledge and passion. Alpaca, alligator, foxes, crocodile, sugar glider, African spurred tortoises, lemurs, and kinkajou. I don't know what a kinkajou is, but is that what you're <laughs> is that the photo that you shared with me? Was that a kinkajou you're holding? No. The photo I sent you was our sloth, and our sloth was our most famous animal, and he passed away oh. about a year and a half ago of cancer, and he literally brought the farm to the next level, and we've always called it the farm. It started with farm animals, and then when I came on board, I needed to breathe some new life into it. It was, it was very dirty and smelly and getting ready to shut down. 
1994 is when it started, but I didn't come along until 2006, and I got hired to bring it back to life and make it special. So my mission was to go out and recruit animals from other rescues or sanctuaries or animals that needed homes and and bring in some new things for the people, the kids. You know, we have visitors here as well, so it's not just exclusively for the inmates. We do allow the public to come visit, but the kids come to visit and they see a new animal and something they may never have seen before, something they may never get to see. The keys are very isolated um, down here in Key West, so it is... Um, a two-by-four island, and some people never leave the island. It's, it's just unreal to me that they don't see the whole world out there, but <laughs> it is very isolated, and the sloth was truly our biggest ambassador, and that kind of brought it to being more of a zoo and having the exotic animals come in. So, like I said, it just started with farm animals, and I, I brought it brought it along with um, lots of different things. We have a capybara, which is our newest animal, and that is the big thing right now. Now, apparently, it's on TikTok, and everybody, all the kids know about capybaras, so they're so excited. And that's what I've tried to do for 17 years is bring in new animals, but all of our animals have to be abandoned, abused, confiscated, or donated. So I don't just go out and buy an animal because I think it would be great to have. And like you said, it is a sanctuary, so they do spend the rest of their lives here. So it's really important that we have animals that fit well with what we're doing here and our mission and, um, you know, I can't take lions or tigers or anything like that. We have to have animals that are safe for the inmates to work around and for the children to interact with. So it's, it's just a really special place. It is. It's definitely one-off and no wonder it became internationally known. I, I read in, in the handouts that, that you gave me that you give to anyone who comes to visit that the Stock Island Detention Center was built to withstand a Category 5 hurricane, which is an uh, is something that we don't think about. You know, inmates are considered on some level dangerous, although yours don't sound wildly dangerous other than they really needed to get a driving <laughs> license or please don't drink and drive. But nonetheless, you don't want it to fall down and either hurt the inmates or let them all free and loose. And once Mm -hmm. you had animals, you had the same issue. So it's 11 feet above ground and built on stilts. And the farm Mm -hmm. is underneath a secure fenced area underneath the the building. Yes. That's a kind of great use of, of wasted space. And Isn't I, I, it? Oh yeah, my goodness! It's brilliant. Sure, it, it's just I've I've used every inch of it. It's like a tiny <laughs> house. How you you fit everything in its place. It's just a small property, but we've fit a lot in it. Well, when we talk about safe animals, you have alligators and crocodiles, and the pictures that you share with me, which I'm going to share some of them if I'm allowed to, also on our social media, yes. are of the most enchanting children because they are so enchanted in their own expressions as they pat or hold some of these what look like baby alligators and baby crocodiles whose mouths are duct taped. So obviously that's just during the petting process. Yes, and it's a baby alligator that we allow the children to hold, and we put a little piece of black electrical tape on her snout just to keep her mouth shut so nobody gets nipped while they're holding her. But people ask me what the favorite animal is, and it has got to be this baby alligator. No and I kidding. could probably have an elephant, and the kids <laughs> would still be more excited about this alligator. And you think about it, and it's just a lizard. But it is so fascinating to watch them hold it and ask if it's real and look <laughs> at its eyes and say, does it blink? You know, and it's 
it's really amazing for them to interact with something like that, especially since it's a native animal here yes. in the Keys. That's what I was thinking. So it's a baby, and you're a sanctuary, mm-hmm. and you don't rehome into the wild? So that little no, tiny alligator is going to become the 14-foot, many hundred pound, or however big an alligator becomes? Well, that's our one animal that because it is a native animal and because it is, um, this is a place where we do a lot of education and outreach, and it's important for people to learn about these alligators that live here in the Keys so we're not afraid of them or right. we don't harm them. Right. So we have a partnership with the Everglades Outpost, which is up on the mainland, and they actually hatch and raise baby alligators. So they will give us a baby alligator and we keep it and care for it and share it with the public and do outreach with it. And then when it gets about six feet long, we take it back to them and they have a 200 acre pond and they do feeding shows and things of that nature. So they're happy to have the alligators that I have kept because they're well cared for and they're socialized. They're used to being around people. So they're very good in the shows So they go up there, they live out the rest of their days in this 200-acre pond, and then we we trade out a baby. So I always have a small alligator for the children to be able to hold, and that's the one animal that we've decided that that, we felt that's okay to do that because it's so educational and because alligators were once on the brink of extinction and they were brought back from extinction. So it's just an amazing story to be able to tell. It sure is. That's really fantastic. A rotating, uh, you know, you get the babies, you get the adolescents. A 200-acre pond is gigantic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like yep, they got a, a lake. Very large facility there, yeah. And they have their um, alligators and other animals that they care for up there as well. So there's, there's certain sanctuaries that we do partner with, but that one in particular is where we get our baby alligators. That's really lovely. And it's, it's interesting to think that they were nearly extinct because what we read about just in the media is – alligators grabbing little old ladies and little old ladies' dogs as they're walking mm-hmm. alongside a golf course or something, and they become right. alligator lunch. So we sort of think of them in the outside world because we don't know anything as kind of mm-hmm. predators of humans and dogs on leashes or not on leashes, but that's not the case. I mean, they, they've they been well, bred back into some kind of robust population. Right, yeah, they've they've made a huge comeback to now you can actually get a permit to be able to hunt, I think it's one or two a year, and that would just be unheard of for an endangered species. So, you know, just like with the white-tailed deer in different states where they have to call the population, that's kind of the same thing with the alligators now, but it's just a remarkable story of how they made their comeback and that, you know, facilities bred them to replace them in the wild and now they're thriving and unfortunately you know we live where they live and they do like little dogs and that's that's horrible you know it's, it's a horrible thing to have happen but we have to be cognizant of the fact that they're there and that they live there as well and one of the main issues is people feed them. Yes. And if you feed them, they become accustomed to humans. And they say, oh, I'm going to go up to this person. Well, not everybody wants an alligator coming up to them. And that can be very dangerous. So many of them have to be um, euthanized or rehomed because they become a nuisance alligator. 
So that's a lot of what I do with the outreach and education is tell people to leave them alone and explain that feeding them attracts them to us. And if they're afraid of us, they'll leave us alone. So it's a lot like the bear population in places like Vermont, where I live, where people Mm -hmm. put out, don't, don't put away their bird seed when they're supposed to, or they leave out trash. And then they film the bears because they think it's so charming. And then the bear, you know, mauls somebody. And then the bear gets killed. And it is a horrible unintended consequence of humans trying to do the right thing and sometimes doing it in ignorance. Jeannie, what you're Mm -hmm. doing there is so fantastic. It sounds to me like going to Key West, not that you need more tourists. I know you've got horrible (laughs) problems with cruise ships. But it sounds like a great place to come and see something you can't see anywhere else. And of course, anyone who loves the idea of this can make a donation as well as visit or visit and make Mm -hmm. a donation. We've run out of time, Jeannie, but I love what you're doing and I love what you've turned a little smelly barnyard into something just brilliant (laughs) for so many people to enjoy and learn from and for the inmates too, to humanize their time there and maybe make them better people. Thank you so much for being here and all the great work that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed the show. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, No Hide, and the hybrid dry food, Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaraner Maisie will eat. The show is also brought to you in part by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients to gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. My dogs love it every single day.